The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I love betting with FanDuel because they've got great odds and markets for MLB, PGA Tour, tennis, NFL futures, and more. Plus, their app is safe, easy to use, and when I win, I get paid out fast. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now and sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 and over and present in select states only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. I am joined by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Hello, Chad. How you doing, brother? I am so good right now, Simon, because I'm so excited for the show we're going to do. One of my favorite guests on the podcast has been Michael Lasker, who is a true Hollywood power player. He's a manager at Mosaic, recently named, recently named, Matt Mitchell updated his bio for us, one of the 40 most powerful people in comedy by the Hollywood Reporter. And that is no slouch. That is no rag. That is legit entertainment media right there i i want to point out that recently is like five years ago let so me you're being, you're being way let too me kind. finish your intro lasker has come on and obviously he knows his stuff in the entertainment industry but he's also a fan of it which when you're a fan of something that you also get to pursue it just makes your passion all the more palpable uh and he has come on for our oscars handicapping podcasts and he's coming on today because we're going to talk about best gambling films. We're going to talk about worst gambling films. We're going to talk about most accurate depictions of gamblers and gambling that we've seen in movies. Mr. Lasker, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Thank show. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be back. And I was thinking about this the other day that I think my predictions were relatively spot on on the Oscar show, except, of course, I did not predict like what really happened that night with the greatest controversy the Oscars have ever seen. But but my my actual like category work was very strong, if I recall. It Just was incredibly it. strong. And I think we want some people some money. I do remember watching some of the show, most of the show and being like, we had that. We had that. And I'm always super proud because of how deep we go, not just with you, but with the Action Network podcasts on the actor, on the Oscars. What we do on uh, Action Network, our experts are going deep into sound editing and overall editing. Like they're not just thinking about the top categories. And so I highly recommend well, it. By the way, I mean, 
oftentimes, you know, those top categories are so predetermined yeah. by the time you get to the Oscars. You know, I do not obviously gamble. Uh, I don't really gamble at all. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, a lot of times you get to the Oscars and you kind of know who's going to win, which isn't really that fun. That's a different conversation because the Golden Globes, which may or may not exist anymore, and all these other award shows that have kind of diluted the procession. I mean, Chad, you are a little older than me, but you and I are old enough to remember when there was like really only the Oscars and the Golden Globes. And now you have like the SAG Awards, and you have all these critics awards that get televised. And it's, it's created a much longer campaign, which many people in the business are against. There's probably some healthy balance no one's figured out yet. But I was so, excited for you guys to reach out about this. And I've, I've done a lot of homework, rewatched some classics, and uh, I'm ready when you guys are. I'm excited. So um, a few weeks ago, we had a friend of the podcast, uh, Academy Award nominated screenwriter Will Fetters on the show because he wrote the movie Hustle that came out with Adam Sandler and did, you know, Bafo numbers on Netflix and has gotten incredible reviews. I loved the movie. Will is also a fan of the podcast. Like I said, he knows how to gamble. He knows gambling. So we started this sort of secondary conversation about the best gambling movies, and we didn't get to go as deep as we would like. And so given your expertise, we were excited to have you come on and break this down for us. Simon, I'm going to ask you first. I know we're going to get into some controversial conversations here, but I'm going to ask you first, give me your nominee, your nominee for your, let's say, three best gambling films. Now, I broke off a little because the, the one of them is not a gambling film. It's a TV show. Technically, it is Netflix. So I'll just start with that one. Squid Games. I don't even know if Chet ever watched it, but it's basically, a, I believe it's South Korean TV show, and it's about degenerates. It's literally people that they, they, they keep gambling away all this money or they keep taking big risk and have tons of debt, and they need to pay off the debt by playing in these little kid games. And the gamble is their life. So... I loved it. The whole concept of it, just because it's just really interesting where it's a interesting concept about the world around us right now. So I, I really enjoyed Squid Games. Um, I don't even know if Chad's ever seen it because it is a foreign film. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. got subtitles. It's very good. Yes. Uh, so I did that one. Uh, as Chad knows, I love Rounders. Um, watch that movie minimum because I'm a serial watcher, minimum 50, 50 times I can think of where I've just, if it comes on, if it was on TV, I'd watch it. If I stumbled across the DVD or the VHS tape, I'd throw it in and watch it. Loved everything about it. Love all the little things to the nuances of it where Matt Damon, he, lose, he went for it, he lost all of it. And it's pretty much a film about him trying to get back to it where you are what you are in life. Like some people, they're just drawn to gambling. It, there's just something about the numbers, the luck of it. And there's, again, we could talk about, there's lemons out there. Some people like to lose. Who knows why they do, but they do like to lose. And I love that whole aspect of it where he's, he's just grinding away, trying to make that life. And for the last one, for me, I had a really hard one making a top three. Cause again, we gave me option to do top five. And I, I kind of, not that I phoned it in at the last year, but it's just my favorite gambling story. It's 21. I, I know Chad has a big, big hand in that, but I love 21. I just, I love the idea of these nerds and their MIT teacher, wherever the school was, just being like, let's go to Vegas and we'll count cards. Like, I can't believe that's a real story and that really happened. So I, people can say what they want about the movie. I know the gambling community doesn't love that movie, but I just have us, I just really, really love that idea and that movie just because 
it's such a cool story. And people like me, I don't read that often. I didn't know about it until I saw the movie. So it, it to me, it has a special place for me. Those are fascinating answers. There's a lot to unpack there. Michael, I want to start with you. Give us your response to Simon's suggestions, his nominations, and then I want to give. I, I I think they're a great idea. I mean, I think they're all great. They all fit into it. You know, Twenty One is on a lot of people's list because it is a great story. Rounders is on my list. I'll, what I'll simply say is this: when I got the email, you know, from your producers about doing this, I, I started to think about what makes a good gambling movie. And as I started thinking about the movies that I liked and watching a few I had never seen and, and re-watching some or whatever, I realized that what most of them have in common is basically like degenerate men, it's never women, degenerate men who basically are nihilists and want to feel pain. And, you know, I think it's in, I think it's in The Gambler, the original Gambler of James Caan, which I would put on my list, where I think he says something to the effect of like, he bets because he kind of likes the feeling that he might lose. And if he loses, well, then he knows he can then win eventually, hopefully. And, and you look at all these movies and I'll give you some specifics. It's these people that they're addicted. They're, they are literally addicted. They're addicted to the up and down of it. You know, and I remember, you know, I was thinking about, cause I, I'm not a gambler. I don't do fancy football, but I, I did have like many people in the world, I had that phase in the mid aughts where I discovered online poker, you know, on ESPN two. And I watched it like every night I went to bed when like Chris Moneymaker and Phil, yeah. all those guys were coming. Chris Moneymaker was new. The other guys were, had been around and they would do these stories like about like Mike Mattisau, where it's like, yeah, he won $95,000. And the next day he had no money, couldn't pay his phone bill. And you get a sense. And I, a, a, an old, old friend of mine from growing up in Oklahoma, her older brother, was a professional poker player for a while and she would tell me stories and they're not good stories. You know, I mean, these are, this is a dark life for a lot of people. And so I was trying to look for movies, you know, that I think encapsulated that desperation and rounders definitely has it. Mr. Son of a beach. Let's play some cards. I think rounders is so many people's pick because credit to those guys, to Copeland and Levine who wrote it and to John Dahl who directed it. They do such an amazing job of teaching you poker. And they were ahead of the curve as far as it exploding in America of teaching you poker in the movie and teaching you how he can get the edge and what he needs. There's so many movies and some I'm going to name where like you're watching someone play craps. You're watching them like make bets on horse racing. It's not quite as tactile as watching the poker and rounders where you really understand, Oh, he needs this. He's bluffing here. This is what Malkovich is doing. So I mean, Rounders is only, you know, it, it just ages better and better every year. Um, I watched it a couple of years ago and I couldn't believe how much it held up and just how modern it still feels. It, it's a great, great movie. Um, it, is a, it is a phenomenal movie. There's so many lines that you remember. And to your point, it, as far as timing, it nailed it, right? For a, a generation, and, and there is a generation between me and Simon, um, it just mattered to everybody. You know, last night at 11 o'clock at night, I, I'm going to bed and my younger son, who's 15, has a bunch of his buddies over and they're just starting the movie The Departed, right? And like, that is one of those movies where it covers generations. It's going to last and Rounders has that same feeling about it. A sort of Ed Norton, Matt Damon at the very beginning of their careers, 
Kalvin and Levine, who have gone on to do such legendary things, including Billions. Um, you know, they did the Uber show for Showtime. Like, they're geniuses at capturing the heart and the speed and the pace, and more importantly, the language, right? Billions isn't that far removed from rounders in terms of the complexity yeah. of the subject matter. And sometimes it doesn't matter if you know what the language is or not, because you're so invested in the characters and the drama and the pace that, that you love it for that. Um, rounders a hundred percent has to be on a list. I, yeah. Let me just, but you, you didn't respond specifically to squid game. Sounds is hundred percent. Right. I didn't watch squid game. Everyone talked about it. I like, I just, ne it never sounded appealing to me and everyone loved it. Well, and you have to, uh, you have to read the subtitles, which is tough for some people. Yeah, Look, I think exactly. Squid Game is an interesting idea from Simon because again, when you think about gambling movies, almost all these movies veer towards the casinos. And I was talking to some friends when I was telling them I was coming on this and people were mentioning like casino. And it's like, well, casino is not really a gambling movie. You know I mean? It takes place in Vegas and you get all this cool stuff with De Niro being this great odds maker, but it's not a movie where you're watching people gamble left and right. I have a, I have a subset list I'm going to present to you guys as well, which is what I refer to as quote, gambling movies that are really con man movies, but they also might be <laughs> on these lists. Um, I, I have a lot prepared. Do you have, do you have no, thoughts thought, on 21? Simon's list was great. Do you yeah, have 20, thoughts on 21? 21 is great. 21 is super fun. Um, actually, Mosaic Klein directed it. It's just a boring Mosaic. answer. That's why I felt bad saying it. It's a boring answer, but to me, it's just it was just a very important movie in my life. That's why I, I think Twenty One is super fun, and I, I think what Twenty One did, why it, it mattered with people, is that it, if you you could probably trace it back to Rain Man. Rain Man is the first time where you see someone count cards, yeah. and then they kind of satirized it a little bit or spoofed it in The Hangover. Um, <laughs> and I think Twenty One came out after The Hangover, or I could maybe I'm flip flopping that, but I think that. People, I think why that movie works, why it's fun, it is definitely the kid element because that kind of creates something different than seeing these like degenerate 35-year-old, 45-year-old men who are smoking cigarettes nonstop. But everybody thinks they could count cards. That, it, there's a wish fulfillment to it. Everybody thinks, oh, I could go and I could remember that they had already gotten rid of all the aces and blah, blah, blah. So I think that's kind of what made it fun. And, and then, yeah, they came up with a good, I, I never read that book and I know his books because Ben Meisenreich, his book also became The Social Network. The books are not, I don't think, like really heavy-duty, in-depth books. They're just presenting these real-life stories and then Hollywood, you know, dramatizes them. I, I think Simon's List was really good, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I thought it was a little bit off the beaten path, and I respect him for that. And the 21 thing is just, it's the whole, again, I didn't know about this underground world of, it's, it isn't, again, when you're brought up, your thought to, the minute you walk into a casino, you've already lost, right? The odds are stacked against you. And I saw that movie and I was like, wait, through math, you can beat the casino. And it's not, again, they call it cheating. It's not. They just figured out a way to count cards. So, again, I just love everything about 21. I just think it's such a cool, amazing idea. And I can't believe it actually really happened. That's the craziest part about it. I love it, too. Um, Alan Loeb, who's the screenwriter, who has been on the podcast often, uh, grew up in my hometown, we're good friends did an amazing job with it. I also am super jealous of the guy who wrote the book because the odds came out the same summer, my book about guys who've been on sports for a living. His book did so much better than mine and I would check the Amazon rankings all the time and it would just <laughs> fucking kill me how much better 
bringing down the house was doing than the odds was doing. But in the end, it's a good book and it's a, it's a great movie. And I loved it. It was on my list. It's fourth on my list. If we mm-hmm. did five, it would be on there. And it used to be number three until a conversation we had with Will Fetters that made me rethink. But Lasker just mentioned sort of a subset that might make me rethink my whole entire thing. Michael, give well, me she- your top three. Look, when I got the email, it said a top three or a top five. I'm going to compress this. I have five, but some of them are in the same kind of the same lane. And I want to do it through the prism of how these stories evolved in like modern Hollywood. So let's just say the, the, the bottom one, even though it's an incredible movie, is The Hustler with Paul Newman. You know, I got a hunch, fat man. I got a hunch. It's me from here on in. One ball, corner pocket. I mean, that ever happened to you? All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. And this is a movie that I had like, I know I saw Color of Money when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen The Hustler. I started rewatching or watching all these classics in the beginning of the pandemic I'd never seen. And when I watched The Hustler, you know, it's Paul Newman, Jackie Gleason, they're playing pool. I realized, because I'm a nerd, I like looked this up on the internet and confirmed it, that it's 1961. That's one of the first movies ever, like a modern film with a huge movie star, Paul Newman, at the apex of his fame, basically playing a loser. He's, he's the degenerate gambler. He cannot get out of his own way. He's a mess. And the movie has a ton of gambling and a ton of degenerates. And it's just a great, interesting film nominated for like 10 Oscars. I mean, it's a, it's a really good movie that holds up. And I think it's an interesting portrait, again, of these characters who are really chasing the thrill, not the outcome. You know what I mean? They're kind of chasing the high along the way and if they win, great. That only makes them want to gamble more. And if they lose, it only makes them want to gamble more as well to get back up to being even and so forth. So I think you have the hustler in the early 60s. And then what I would say is in the 70s, I'm going to put two together for like number two or whatnot. And that would be the gambler and California split. So the gambler is James Kahn. They remade it. Terrible Mark Wahlberg film. Love Mark Wahlberg, but not a good movie. And The Gambler is 74. So it's kind of what James Caan does post The Godfather. And then California Split, I think it's 71 or 72. And that's Robert Altman. And that's Elliot Gould and George Siegel. And they're degenerate gamblers. It's a sweet game. It is. $2,000 buy-in, right? You fellas here to uh, drink or play? Well, my partner here is the player, and uh, I guess I'm the drinker. California Split is not quite as nihilistic as The Gambler. The Gambler is a dark movie. He's this professor in New York, and he is just, he's a dark guy. He's like taking, he's borrowing money from his rich mother and has no guilt about not paying it back to the bookies and instead betting it even more. And he's terrible to his girlfriend and it has a really, really dark third act. And then California Split, I think, you know, that's a movie where like, again, it's, it's, it's not quite as dark, but you, you, you can luxuriate a little bit more in that these guys are kind of going on these runs and they're gambling and they're up and they're down. But the end of it then sucker punches you because you realize they're both pathetic. One guy kind of sees the light, one guy d- doesn't. But my point is those movies came out in the 70s and those movies kind of paved the way for what came later. Of course, you put rounders on any, on any list. And I really think, I know it's crazy and you're going to say it's recency bias, but it's Uncut Gems. I don't know how you don't say Uncut Gems is the best gambling film of all time because I guess what I was trying to get at is like, and I, I haven't verified this, but I'm positive the Safdie brothers studied The Gambler, studied California Split, studied all these movies, but then they took, you know, a 2017, 18, whenever it was kind of modern spin 
And like, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to them in an interview a couple of years ago. And, and so, you know, you're making a movie, you know, you, you have a microphone on like the main actors, but in those scenes in the end of the movie, when they're in the jewelry store, there's like seven actors around them that are all talking. So you're also recording all of their dialogue and the amount of undertaking that takes with a sound editor to take basically like six to seven tracks of dialogue and fuse them together because those scenes are so chaotic because everyone's, you know, jawing at each other. And I don't know. I mean, I know it's a new movie, but like I've never seen a movie that, that gives you the highs and lows because he makes the crazy bet and you don't think he can win. It makes you pay the price because of the ending. And it also takes you through all the mania of like him being chased by Eric Bogosian and his goon. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a better movie that captures it. Uh, that is the controversial take, right? Because um, I want to get Simon's response to Uncut Gems. Uh, it's funny. I did the same thing with The Hustler when the pandemic started. I had never watched it. And so I watched it start to finish. And obviously it was amazing and so different than anything I had even could have conjured. I had The Color of Money on this list as like a great gambling movie. But also, I, I happen to have recently rewatched it. And it's not as good a movie as I remember when it came out. And I think Paul Newman won the Oscar for that. You can back me up. I think that's when he did win the Oscar for the first time. And it, I think Correct. he got it more because of the career than because of the quality of that movie. Um, yeah, and he, and he didn't even show up to the Academy Awards. I don't think he often attended, but at that point, he didn't care at all. Yeah. Right. And that, it was exactly, it was a late career Oscar, although ironically, he got nominated two more times, um, but he didn't win those either. But continue, sorry. And so I had rounders on my list. Football is right around the corner, and FanDuel Sportsbook is here to help you make every moment more. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using promo code FAVORITES, place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. Personally, my favorite college football feature right now is the Washington State Cougars to win the Pac-12 at 40-1. to I love betting at FanDuel because they've got great promotions every single day on an app that's safe and secure, and when I win, I get paid out fast. There's no better place to get ready for the football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code FAVORITES to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Must be 21 or over and present in Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, or Louisiana in permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bet that expires 14 days after street. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Illinois. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 in New York. Call the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9777. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. I have Silver Linings Playbook on my list, 
Oh, which that's a great idea. Will Fetters had talked about on the podcast as a gambling movie, and I couldn't agree more. It's so central to everything in the movie. The dad is a bookmaker. The, the climax is about them and sort of the parlay bet of winning against the Cowboys and winning the dance contest. The entire thing is a gamble, right? It's a different kind of gambling. So Michael, you were talking about like, there's a subset of movies that are gambling, but not that are about gambling, but not gambling. Like you could put it on that. But to me, Uncut Gems, bar none, like it's fucking brilliant. Love every, like it's uncomfortable. You know, before we started the show, we were talking about The Bear, right? This new show on Hulu, which I watched and just devoured in like two nights. And, And like, it's as good as anything I've seen in years. And it's visceral, it makes you anxious. The beats are great, like everything about it. It's colorful, it's just, it's awesome. Totally awesome. You have that same feeling watching Uncut Gems. Like even if you don't know the world, like you're just tense the whole time. I thought Sandler was great. Simon, I don't think you liked Uncut Gems. I think we're on opposite sides of this. Yeah, I'm just, I'm t- I live the life though. That's the problem. It's like, what do you want from me? It's, 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 a, it's like asking someone, oh, is, is your real life really like the, the show ER? Is ER real life? No, obviously it's not. So Uncut Gems is, honestly, the only thing I liked about it is it's a true tale of these people's lives that they're just spiraling and it doesn't matter what they do. Even if they win a million dollars, they're going to go back to zero. It just, there are just, again, we talked about there's lemons, like there's just losers. No matter what they do, they're going to lose. Like they'll never learn the habits. They just don't care. But my biggest thing I hated that movie was the parlay. Like I, the dumbest thing in the entire world. What was it? A nine, nine or seven game? A nine. Thing? It was like a nine, a nine. Including part, tip off. A nine part parlay, including the tip off, which, you know, <laughs> so, as like anyone in the industry knows, you know, one's betting the fucking tip. No. But it's for that a, amount of money, it's a nice way to have a dramatic moment. But what's interesting now in the modern sports world with sports betting legal everywhere, yeah, every single book is offering these new markets for sure. And when the NBA playoffs were happening, two of the most popular markets were first basket, who will score the first basket, and the type of the first basket scored, right? Those are sucker bets. Those are square bets. Yeah. But the bookmakers, the, the operators are putting those markets available on their app front and center. And so they're becoming more and more popular because they're immediate gratification. You see it right away. It's available. We're covering them now. There are ways to sort of game the system. Same with first touchdown or no run first yeah. inning. So all of a sudden it's, it's, life catching up to art because that could be a parlay that people are making now it is it's just they didn't need to do that they could have just had him put all of it on the one side and that side loses and the ending still happens the same way it was just like again i know what they were doing that whole point of that movie but i just will never forget how many people hit me up about it because it's it's sandler and everyone's like dude sandler did a gambling movie you must love this movie and it's like i fucking hated it i've liked it more now (laughs) like i've seen it probably two or three times now it's gotten better in my opinion, but like, yeah, first time seeing it, I was just like, what a waste of time and a lesson for everyone, unless you want to see the worst and ugliest side of sports betting. Yeah. But I mean, was that not maybe the point, you know, it was uh, definitely right. <laughs> I mean, it, it um, was. 
Yeah, I, I, I hear everything you're saying. And it, I mean, it's almost like you're saying, yeah, like, does a heroin addict, you know, enjoy watching Requiem for a Dream? <laughs> right. Maybe not. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> that might, it, I'm not calling you a heroin addict, Simon. You look very healthy. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it does bring up a good point, which is something else that we want to talk about, which is what movies had the best depiction of gambling? Michael, you mentioned The Gambler. I mean, there's a scene, I haven't seen The Gambler for 20 something years because some of the scenes in there were so disturbing, including like James Kahn in a bathtub, like just in complete and total desperation. What, yeah. what happens is he's, he, he was up and then he loses all this money and he has a little bit of money left. And as the bookie is leaving with the money, he's just had to pay him. He's like, I want you to, I want to take the Lakers over the Supersonics. And because it's like 1974, the game's just like on the radio, you know, that you can't see all these games on TV. And he's sitting in the bath and it's a game that like comes down to like literally the last second. Someone makes a lucky shot and he has the radio at the edge of the bath and you're watching it and you kind of think, oh, he's going to electrocute himself. He's going to get so upset that the radio is going to go into the bathtub and he's going to die. Um, yeah, it's a dark movie, and it and it and it also it's from an era where like you know it's a great era where they were making darker films, and they were you know James Caan was never a sunny, excuse the pun because Sonny Corleone he was never a sunny you know character actor. You know what I mean? Even an he played, elf, even an elf, yeah. he's like yeah, he's exactly. a dark cloud. <laughs> yeah, I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. All right, uh, let's get it over with. Santa must have called you. Well, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? <laughs> right yeah he plays dark people and yeah. and yeah and the gambler he's just he's he's an asshole he is just like cannot get out of his own way but he's not even a lovable asshole some of these movies you know where you have these gamblers they're they're kind of lovable in their in their desperation but he's just kind of depraved you know one thing your producer had mentioned i don't know if this is jumping ahead but or, or it just made me think about how again there are a lot of movies that have gambling like casino but they're more con man movies you know, I don't think you'd put Ocean's Eleven on this list or even The Sting. You know, I like I, I was thinking about The Sting, which I love The Sting. But to me, The Sting is more of a con man film than a gambling film. Yes, they're gambling and they're faking gambling in their final subterfuge they pull off on, on Robert Shaw. But I think those are more con man movies, right? Yeah, I don't I, I don't think of Ocean's Eleven as a gambling movie at all. It's a great Vegas movie. It falls under the same rubric as Die Hard, right? Is it a Christmas movie or is it not a Christmas movie? Those are sort of, they're not gambling movies to me in yeah. any sense of the word, not in any sense can, of the word. Can I pitch you a movie? I'm curious if either of you have seen this. It's a B movie, but I think it's an excellent movie. And it is a half gambling movie, half con man movie. It's from 1992. I was thinking about it a lot during this, this prep. Have you ever seen Digstown with James Woods and Lou Gossett Jr.? Yes. So the, the, the premise of this movie is James Woods is a con man and he goes to this small town and he makes a bet with Bruce Dern, who's like the owns the town and says, I can take my boxer, Lou Gossett Jr., who's like late 50s, early 60s. And he, in a 24 hour period, can beat any 10 boxers yes. from your county you put up against him. So you're saying that our boxing here in Digstown's not to your satisfaction, Mr. Kane, nice to meet you. Hey, can I be frank with you? Please. It's never too satisfying knowing who's going to win every time. You know what I mean? Take this white trunks over here, okay? Halfway through the first round, he comes out. I know he's going to be kissing canvas. And ba-boom, he's already done it twice. 
So what do you think? Is he going to kiss Canvas the third time? Yes. And so the movie takes place over 24 hours. It's Luke Gossett Jr., who actually looks really good in the movie. He must he had to be 55 or 60. He's still like pretty well built. And he's taking on young men who are like ripped boxers. But every 20 minutes, there's a twist. And then they keep upping the bet. And you kind of realize that James Woods has been like setting this all. I don't want to give anything away. It was directed by Michael Ritchie, who's not alive anymore, who directed Bad News Bears, directed Downhill Racer with Robert Redford, directed The Candidate, directed a lot of really great movies that are kind of classics to a certain age of people, but they aren't really classics today, except Bad News Bears, of course. But it's a really good movie, and it's a combo. It's a con man and a gambling film. And I saw it with my buddy Joey in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1992, and it was just like late August surprise of like, what a fun, weird little movie. You know, I'd recommend it to all the viewers. Is Joey your buddy from uh, Oklahoma, who's now the mayor of Oklahoma City? That's that's David Holt, who's the mayor of Oklahoma City. Uh, (laughs) Good for David Holt. Um, Here's the one thing I want to get before we go, which is worst gambling movies. Like, Simon, is Uncut Gems on your list of worst gambling movies? No, I just, again, I just hate it because I'm too close to it. It's like... Why do that? Why show that? Why show that side when they just legalize gambling? But I, I get why they were doing it. Um, for me, it'd be probably two for the money. I just, I just remember the hype around it. Again, it's it's literally sports betting. It's what I do. And man, the older I've gotten, the more times I've watched it. It's like, what the hell is this movie? It, it just, it is weird. And it's just weird too because Al Pacino and McConaughey, and it's just like a complete egg. I mean. Like Al Pacino's character, he he like is a lemon in that movie. It's, the whole movie is just weird. Uh, I gotta say, if I learned anything, it's that gambling is not your problem, not even close. I don't know how to say this without sounding a little rude, but you're a lemon, Leon. Like a bad car, there is something inherently defective in you, and you, and you, and me, and all of us in this room. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose subconsciously. Me, I never feel better or more alive than when they're raking the chips away, not bringing them in, and everybody here knows what I'm talking about. Hell, even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. If I'm just going to go with my worst one, I would say two for the money just because they could have made such an awesome, cool movie, and they really fumbled the bag. Couldn't agree more on two for the money. Terrible, terrible movie. So disappointing because as you not as a better, but just as a purveyor and member of the media who has been doing this forever, I just had high expectations for what it could be. Here's a controversial take. Again, you need to make our own two for the money, Chad. We got the man here. We got to get the script to go lock ourselves in a cabin for a week. Yeah. Here's a, here's another one. Molly's game. Yeah. I love Aaron Sorkin. We talked about West Wing before we were, before we started recording this game was this this movie was fucking terrible. Like yeah, it could have been boring. so good too. It was plotting, it was predictable. I love Sorkin as a writer. I think as a director, he's doing after school specials. I thought can, can his, I? his 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 movie on HBO, I think it was about uh the trials in 69 about um I forgot what it was what it was called. I thought that was terrible. No good as a director. <laughs> Here's what I would say. I was I would thought about Molly's game. One thing I wanted to throw out, um, I don't want to hate too hard on anybody's movies. The thing I will say about Molly's game, I do think it has a sequence in it. 
and I'm curious, Simon, if you, you know, how you feel about this. I think the sequence in the middle of the movie with Bill Camp, Bill Camp is a character actor. He played the janitor in the Queen's Gambit. You've seen him in a hundred things. He's the guy in the middle of the movie who she says in the narration, he just wanted to come play poker quickly before he went to celebrate his anniversary with his wife. And he's the guy who gets up real fast and then loses everything again and again and again. And he's a genius. He's a famous actor from Broadway. I think that sequence is an outstanding sequence because they really give you the sense of how fast everything changes and how the bigger, the bigger the hole you dig, the more you're willing to gamble to get out of the hole, which never really works. So, you know, the movie, it's an interesting movie. It's a little all over the map with the way it's told and that Kevin Costner stuff, that was all made up. Um, you know, I mean, they had to, they had to dramatize, you know, and make a movie, but that Bill Camp sequence really stood out to me of just, that's how it happens. You know, a guy yeah. just wants to play a quick poker game before he goes to dinner with his wife. And you watch that scene and you're like, did that guy ever go home again? Like, did he ever even like see his, you know what I mean? Like his life must've been ruined. I don't know if that was true, but they were just, you know, dramatizing it. But it is what that, that is interesting in that you can pick out the sequence, but the movie itself wasn't all that special, which makes what happened in Uncut Gems or what they did in Rounders or even the way the parlay becomes something that is a through line for silver linings or the excitement of 21. Gambling is relatively sedentary as an activity. Right. And so the ability of the filmmaker, the screenwriter, whoever, to create something that has pace and feels exciting and you feel the tension is really hard to do. It's why other ones like Molly's Game or Two for the Money do so badly is because you don't get that that particular moment. Right. There was another one. Lay the favorite. Right. The movie was fucking awful. Just like cliche and like this was another one simon where it was coming out and everyone's like cool it's going to be a, a cool new movie about sports betting that's based on a cool book if you don't get the gambling right if you don't get the pacing right and the anxiety you kind of lose the threat in the future i do think that as more as sports betting becomes more normal i do think more professionals will come forward and we might get better sports betting movies because to me the life itself is cool as hell like i'll never forget when i first met a professional bear we went to a sports book and he showed me he had a bag of money, say it was 10K. And he goes, you want to see a magic trick? And I said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to turn this 10K into 100K, wait in this car for the next five hours. Goes in the sports book. I stay there. I watch the rest of his cash in the back of the car. He comes, sure enough, he comes back out after the baseball games four hours later, hit a duffel bag with 70K in it. And I just remember thinking like, holy shit, I want this life. So that's what I mean. There's, there's cool things these sports writers or sports movies could do with sports betting. And I think we're going to be in a good era for that coming up. Well, Michael Lasker, manager at Mosaic, most powerful person in all of comedy in Hollywood. There's, there's no doubt about it. I know you're shaking your head. I'm just going to say it. Don't worry about it. Uh, Simon Hunter, Matt Mitchell, uh, this has been super fun. This has been the Favorites Podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. Download us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, leave us five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you.